0: the words on the screen. We'll also have the words on the screen. Yeah, usually there's always a big trick in, in church ministry. Usually the, um, the Sunday, it used to be like in October, the Sunday where they had the time switch. It was usually high attendance Sunday for Sunday schools and, and many churches because people that were coming there for church forgot to put their clocks forward or something like that. And so when they showed up, well, they were automatically, all right, well, you're here. Why don't you come to our Sunday school class? So uh, pastors being pastors once again, doing ministry math there and, uh, and making sure they know, you know, when they fill out their associational reports, they're going to put the numbers from that day. Uh, because that's their high attendance push because people just woke up early. Um, but uh, I do appreciate everyone coming out today. Uh, the last time I preached, there were four of us in here. Uh, today, there are uh, there are more. I was going to say, I was going to give you the number in which you doubled it and not tell you any of the specific numbers so that the people on the podcast, if they listen to my sermon, could, uh, could just dream big. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> But it is my pleasure to, to preach today, and I'm reminded every time I get a chance to preach about how difficult it makes the week. Not because you're preaching, but because there's always a, a pushback. I had the week off from work this week, and I feel like I had no time to do hardly anything this week. Uh, there was a point where I waited in a doctor's office for about an hour and a half, only to not be seen. Weird. But uh it time was like that this week. Um, so be in prayer for for those who, who take take uh certain roles as they uh you know, especially uh Adam uh and and oncoming Kobe as as they and, and myself as as we share some preaching duties um throughout the throughout the year, be in prayer for us. It's it's not easy because there is something that's always feels like it's coming against you that week that you're preaching there. And the Bible is clear that we don't deal with flesh and blood, but there are powers that come against us. So be in prayer. And along those lines, this is kind of what I wanted to to talk about today. It's a weird passage to preach to the church. Not that it's weird, but this is like a passage you would preach to uh, a seminary gathering, a chapel at seminary. Because this is uh, a faithful minister who had who had finished his ministry and finished his uh, it was coming to the end of his ministry, talking to a minister that was in the middle of his ministry. Um, Paul here was a prisoner. Paul here was coming to the end of his life. This is probably the last uh, words that we have from Paul, who wrote so many books of the Bible, and I think we see in some of these books different different shades of, of, of his heart. And here I think we've get besides Corinthians, you get you get this you get this Paul who is who is uh, who's uh very emotional but wants to set the record straight. But in Second Timothy you get this this author, Paul, who is at the end and you could tell he's at the end. He's he's sort of excited, but he's sort of uh, just kind of evaluating everything. If you read on in this passage, and we'll kind of come to that later, you'll see this just very human look at him. That people that he loved and discipled, had, some had abandoned him. Some he had sent off. And you, you get this man coming to the end of his life, just wanting to pour that last ounce out, teaching others. So let's get in our passage, 2 Timothy 2.4. It says this, I solemnly charge you before God and Christ Jesus, who is going to be the judge of the living and the dead, and because, his appearing, and, and because his appearing in the kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Rebuke, correct, encourage with great patience and teaching. For a time will come when people will not intolerate sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, will multiply teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear what they want to hear. They will turn away from hearing the truth and will turn aside to myths. But, for, but as for you, exercise self-control in everything, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, at, and the time for my departure is close I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. There reserved up, uh, reserved for me uh, the crown of righteousness, with the Lord, which the Lord, the righteous Judge, will give me on that day, and not only to me, but to all those who loved His appearing. Let's pray. Your Father, I thank you for I thank you for giving us an example of someone who pours out the last ounce of a drink offering to you. Lord, to share with others, Lord, what you've done in their life. Lord, to, uh, to give us an example, but Lord, to see what you do through lives that are given to you. Lord, and to give us exhortation to continue the ministry of your word. Lord, help us to do that, in Jesus' name, amen. I said when I started, this might be an, uh, an awkward passage to talk about, with folks that don't primarily uh, that don't primarily preach or teach, but at the end, I, I'm going to kind of give us some application to do to help us as we reach folks as a church, as we as a body of believers continue to reach people as a church. Notable sayings. I, I was reminded, and, and we talked about it at our uh, small group class when Drew Brees broke the record. He was mic'd up for the night, and I think he knew he would have a spotlight on him as he goes and sees his family to, as, and talks to them while he passes the, uh, the, the Peyton Manning record. <clears throat> And I think what Drew Brees said there, he knew what he was going to say. I don't think it was any different than what he probably would have said had he not been mic'd up. But it was a beautiful thing that he could come to his family. And I think what he wants us to know about him was that he loves his family and he wants them to work hard. He said, I love you guys. You can accomplish anything if you work hard enough for it. Here, Drew Brees on a, on a, on a stage is allowing some, allowing others to hear something that uh, I, I think he feels like is 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 good advice. We get this so many different places in our lives. We get I, I know in my own life I've gotten talks from my dad uh, during certain aspects of life. Some of them have been. Uh, Harsh talks, and some of them have been good talks, and some of them have been awkward talks. But some of the most memorable talks we had come at some of the hardest moments uh, in a young man's life. We see Paul here is giving, he's written this letter to Timothy. And these are the last words he's going to say to Timothy that we have recorded in the Bible Someone that had been beside him as, as they planted churches, as they saw God move, as they did all kinds of awesome things, as God did so many awesome things. Paul appoint, helped Timothy and appointed him or helped appoint him to, to pastor the church of Ephesus. And Paul knew how hard it was going to be because Paul had helped plant so many of these churches. And so here he's trying to let Timothy know some, some last words that were going to stick with Timothy. And God, through the providence of his Holy Spirit, has preserved this word for us. So that we could come to this passage and see the pastoral heart that Paul had and, and, and that God had, had put in him. Paul wasn't always this man that was so compassionate. Compassionate. Paul was known for for his persecution of Christians earlier in his life, but we see this heart that was changed by God, and it 's beautiful to see what he tells Timothy in this passage so this is an, an older, uh, so the first thing I want us to see in the passage is the preaching of the word, the preaching of the word how how important that is, how important it is to to continue a ministry uh, that we come from god 's word when we talk you see. When we preach, it's not supposed to be the opinion of a man, but it is what God says in His Word. The preacher may contextualize that. The preacher may, may help us to understand those things. Uh, the preacher may even be able to do some deep study on, on, on some of the original language and the original author and the original intent, so that way when we, when we hear it, we can help apply it to our lives. This was, it's distinct in Christianity, this thing we call preaching. Jesus and John the Baptist, they preached out in the wilderness. They preached the kingdom and they preached repentance. We see Paul in the the early church preaching God's word as he goes throughout. We see Peter in the early church in Acts 2. Acts 2 was a sermon that he preached we see Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount. He's preaching a sermon. We see even the prophets of old preaching God's Word. This is something that, that, that God has... Preaching is something that God has given to the church. No other religion does it like Christians do it. Lift it up because not, we're not lifting up a person. We're lifting up the Word of God. It was a charge to go forward. A charge. To go, I solemnly charge you, before God in Christ Jesus, in verse one. There, it was a charge to go forth. It was a charge uh, to do this. To do something. Pa- Paul was challenging them. You know, Adam joked about games last night, and I'm sure there was a coach that was charging his team to go out and, and play the best. They were charging. He, this was a charge from God. I mean, a charge from Paul in front of God and others. Look at what it says. It continues on in verse 1. It says, Who is going to judge the living and the dead, and because of his appearing in his kingdom. Paul is reminding Timothy that we, what I'm going to tell you, you do because there is a bigger narrative. There is something bigger than Paul. There's something bigger than the church of Ephesus. There's something bigger than, than just what God is doing there. There's something bigger than Live Oak Church. There's something bigger. And it's this narrative that God will judge the living and the dead because of the appearing of his kingdom. So, what should I do because of this bigger narrative? It is to preach, verse 2, to preach the word. Be ready in season, out of season, to preach the word. Like I said, this has a a history in the Christian church of preaching. We see it all throughout history, and we see it all the way up to even now. We take part in, uh, in, in preaching God's Word, in season and out of season. There were good times to preach God's Word, and there were tough times to preach God's Word. Paul, if you read the book of Acts, there were places that received God's Word, and there were places that didn't want to hear God's word. There were places that tried to kill Paul, that have left him for dead for preaching God's word. We see Jesus go from go into some towns, and he was well-received. And we see Jesus go into other towns, and they chased him out. They didn't want him there. Jesus told his disciples, guys, you're going to go into a town, and you're going to preach this this message I have of repentance and the kingdom of God, and they may not accept you. Don't take it personally because they didn't accept me. And I'm paraphrasing, obviously. He goes, shake the dust off your feet and go on to the next town. There is sometimes where, where people won't accept it in season and out of season. We live in a beautiful country where, where we do have this freedom where no one, no, no one from the government is going to bust in and, and break up our service. I thank God for that. It's a beautiful country where we can do this. It's not the case in many countries. It's not the case in maybe some of the countries that are going to be getting our shoeboxes. It's not the case in, in many communist countries. They can't do that. In season and out of season, we see it in in the life of narrative. I mean, in the life of in the life of of, of martyrs, where where. Uh, You know, the state church is set up, whatever that state church may be. And someone from outside, and and being a Baptist myself, uh, we never really ever had a state church, I don't think, ever in... uh, I think we might have had one state, but it was never a a country, never a law and all those things. And so there was persecution that would come across these folks. Preaching brings persecution. We need to be ready in season and out of season... We need to be followers of Christ in season and out of season. Paul knew that there was going to be some persecution that was coming because Paul was experiencing it himself in season, out of season be ready uh, be ready to rebuke, correct, encourage with great patience and teaching so these kind of three these kind of three roles of what comes from our, our, our preaching, what comes from our service, rebuke. That may be when you hear something you really, that really doesn't work well, but it comes from God's Word. Sometimes there's, there's a scripture or there's, there's what we're going through, and we may say, you know what, I don't do that very well. This is something that, that's going to challenge my, my Christianity or challenge my worldview, and I've got to bring it into what God has in His Word to rebuke, to come against certain teachings and certain teachers. There might be a time where when when a particular thought is coming out and pervading the church where, where someone needs to get up and say, We need to talk about blank. It comes from preaching God's word. Correct. That word correct is almost is is kinda like a medical term. That term correct is like uh is like to uh to put a bone back in place. You ever had a broken arm? I know Emma had a broken arm a few years ago, and I don't think it was ever really big out of place, but she had to wear that cast. A lot of times when we get to God's Word, that's what it it does. It puts that cast on us. It helps us to correct maybe something we might not see uh, totally. And then the last thing we see here is to encourage, with great patience and teaching, to encourage others. I... I pray that as we meet as a church, especially as a music, as a music guy, as a, as a song director, I pray that you get courage from being in God's presence, that, that you're encouraged, that you come here and, and, and it may be hard to wake up in the morning and you might have had a fight on the way here, um, but you come here and are encouraged, not just from the pulpit, not just from here, but the words we say to each other to encourage each other. The idea here of preaching hopefully encourages you in your faith. I pray that it does. It goes on. So you got these three things, but what do they work towards? It says it there in verse 4, what they work towards. Um, For a time will, will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine, but according to their own desires... Uh, will multiply teachers for themselves because they have a, an itch to hear what they want to hear. They will turn away from hearing the truth and will turn aside the myths. Verse 5, but as for you, exercise self-control in everything. Endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. A lot of times when you see in Scripture, they're talking about a term, Maturity. When you see this in Scripture, you see in, in the first part of James, James tells them to count it out all joy that there's going to be trials because God is working for your maturity. And he often talks about immature faith as folks who go along with every wind of doctrine, who go, who go uh, this way and go that way, and they don't have roots where, uh, where good doctrine is. They don't have roots to follow God. They don't have roots to stand firm. Ultimately, I pray that your faith is growing so that you can can have roots, so that you can be mature, so that you can be unmoved from what God's Word says. We are working for your maturity. Hopefully, you are working for your maturity. Continue to grow up because there will be ideas, there will be doctrines, there will be people who twist Scripture. And they rise up all over the place. And they're going to test us. There will be circumstances that come up that are going to get us to move off of what God's Word says. I pray that as we come together and worship as a body of believers, that we will be maturing in our faith. That doesn't mean you're there tomorrow or today. That means you're working toward those roots. And I pray as we get together, we continue to, to 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 get those roots deep in the ground. So we see the preaching of, our, uh, uh, of the word. We see, secondly, the offering of ourselves, the offering of ourselves. Verse 6 here says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. The time for my departure is close. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. We see there this 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 idea of a drink offering. This is a term from the Old Testament. Term from the Old Testament. A drink offering was something that they would usually a costly wine or something that they would pour out on the altar. And it was something that when you pour out something on the altar, when you pour out a glass, I mean you could don't try it here right now, but if you have substance in a cup and you pour it out, There's no way to get that substance back in the cup. Paul is deliberately using an illustration here to show that he has offered himself. And what he has given to God, what he has sacrificed, what he has offered, he's not going to get back. As we offer ourselves, there is that finiteness of offering ourselves and that we're not going to get back in this world. There might be times where we might even feel like it's wasted. My time doing this activity or that activity for God has been wasted. I can remember uh, some time ago, uh, we had a, in, uh, an associate pastor that would, that would fill in between pastors. And we regularly went through pastors at my home church. And I can remember we, were, we had called a pastor and uh, we were coming there. Uh, he was going to start the next week. And uh, I can remember we did a little potluck celebration after the Sunday night service. And I was sitting by him because I, I, I think I had led the worship that night. And, you know, I, I just enjoyed my relationship with him. And we were saying all kinds of good stuff about him, just trying to encourage our, our, our brother and our friend. And uh, I can remember the look on his face and he said, you know, sometimes I think I went to seminary and, and, and I, just, I just blew it. I just wasted it. I don't think God ever used it for the purpose of what it used it for. And, and to see that, that attitude and to see him have this honest moment with, with me as a teenager, um, it was something real, but it's something that's real. And I remember trying to encourage him, saying, God's got a plan for what, what you've done. None of it is wasted. And as I look through this person's ministry, if you look through this, his ministry, none of it was wasted. He had a tremendous impact on a lot of folks in the role that he had. Our effort for Christ, although it may feel wasted, and it is a lot like a drink offering because we can't get it back, is precious to him. Look at what, uh, I I want you to move over to to Philippians 2. I don't have that on the board. If you want to just listen to me, that's fine too. Philippians 2, Paul talks a little bit about a, a drink offering here too. And, and and this is going to be on the context of not at the end of his ministry. And I just kind of want you y'all to see what it says here about that. It says Philippians two, twelve through eighteen say this. Therefore, my friends, just as you have always obeyed, so now not only in my presence, but even more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So he's going to be talking to them. He's not referring to himself as a drink offering now. Watch what he says here. For it is God who has worked in you both to will and to work according to his his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling and arguing so that you may be blameless and pure, children of God who are are faithful in a crooked and perverted generation among whom you shine like stars by holding firm to the word of life. Then I can boast in the day of Christ that I did not labor for nothing, but I I am... Poured out as a drink offering on the sacrificial service of your faith, and I am glad and rejoice with you. In the same way, you should be glad and rejoice with me. We see this idea here, Paul pouring himself out like a drink offering. Really, what he is wanting there was their maturity, that they would work out their salvation, that they too would have that attitude also, of being poured out. We see it there. We see that life is, is in in Ecclesiastes, it talks about life is but a vapor. It's here today and gone tomorrow. A drink offering is pleasing to God and encouraging to others. So we see this, and I want you all to see the back end of verse 7, or for verse 7, it says, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. We see Paul using these verbs and these tenses now. of uh, It seems like he is getting to the end. And God has kept him. He has kept his faith. That, that verb there used is, is to defend. He has nurtured. He has worked out his salvation because it is God working through him. He has kept the faith. He has offered himself. So we see preaching the word, we see offering ourselves. Lastly, remember your reward. Remember your reward. Verse 8. There reserved for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. And not only to me, but to those who have loved his appearing. Paul remembered that the... Um, the reward he was working for was not here totally, but it was in the future. It was to be awarded to him a crown of righteousness from the righteous judge. He was looking forward to his eternal reward. When I say that he was looking forward to his eternal reward, we see, I want you all to look in the present right now at Paul's life. Look, at, look as he goes in verse 9. And we see, like I said, this this very human element to Paul. He says, "Make every effort to come to me soon, because Dinymus has deserted me, and since he loved this present world and had gone to Thes- and has gone to Thessalonica." Um, you see this, so even, someone deserted him right then and there. Crescent has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. I think those two were in good terms with him. But still, he lost those with him on his side. said, only Luke is with me. Bring Mark with you, for he is useful to me in ministry. I have, Tychicus, I have sent Tychicus to Ephesus, probably carrying this letter. When you come, bring the cloak I left in Trocious with uh, Carporus. And the scrolls, especially the parchments, Alexander the coppersmith did great harm to me. The Lord will repay him according to his work. Watch out for him! Uh, watch out for him yourself, because he strongly opposed our words. At my first defense, no one stood by me, but everyone deserted me. May it not be counted against them. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, so that I might fully preach the word with the Gentiles, so that all the Gentiles may hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil work and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. You see this this conflict going on in Paul's life that people had deserted him. The coppersmith, Alexander the coppersmith, did great harm to him. You see this, this person that people were deserting, all except for Luke and he had sent some of those folks off. We see Titus. We know the letter that Paul sent to Titus as he went to, uh, uh, to Titus, to, uh, to Cyprus. We see, we see these things, but we see this, this impact here. of It's not just about here and now, but it's about eternity. I love in the Old Testament when it comes to the prophets, and it came to the prophet Isaiah, And God said, I'm going to give you a message. No one's going to listen. They're not going to listen to you. As you see, Christ, as he preaches the word, people didn't have ears to hear. But yet, their reward was just the obedience in that moment. And God had something for them for eternity. In the book of Hebrews, in chapter 11, it talks about all the great martyrs. It talks about the martyrs in the faith in, in the Old Testament. He says the world was not worthy of them, but God had something greater, and they believed that God had something greater. Some people may look at this and say, well, Paul's ministry was dying. Could you imagine this last little bit in our social media driven culture our hot take culture is Paul declining is Paul lost control has he lost his mind everybody's deserting him he's losing everything he ever put up for no Paul knew that his return was his reward was in heaven so we see preaching the word we see offering ourselves we see remembering the reward I'm going to get to this application section I've got just four things to help as we continue to preach God's word, as we continue to teach God's Word, hopefully God calls some of you even to, to help us in the teaching ministry, as we teach and as we preach. It says, be, uh, so I've got four little applications. Support the preaching and the teaching of the word. Try to come. Be faithful to attend. Say nice things. You volunteer to teach? We're not going to leave you alone if you volunteer to teach. We're, uh, not that we're going to pester you, but we're, we're going to make sure that you have everything you need to feel comfortable, to help out, that, that, that you're ready to do those things. Secondly, be a part of inviting people to hear the word. The old saying was, uh, the pastors would always say, especially growing up, he goes, if you can't share your friend, well, you invite him to church and I'll come up here and I'll share with your friend, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Be a part of inviting people to hear the Word, people to, to some of the events that we have. Be a part of inviting people, as some of you all have been. It's been great. Uh, thirdly, listen and apply the text. Listen and apply the text. As if, if you take notes, maybe jot something down that you can apply. As we go through our, 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 our small group studies, try to apply some of the things that we say. We're not, we're not just saying that just to just say it. And then, lastly, follow up with the preaching and the teaching of the word. There's nothing if you feel like uh, asking us a, sermon, a question about the sermon or the teaching is, is going to somehow uh, negate uh, the, the job that we felt like we did preaching. Uh, you couldn't be further from the truth. Uh, a pastor loves to hear feedback on their sermon, even if it's negative feedback. As long as it's not like plastered on social media or as everybody else is telling me, you know, but. Follow up. There are going to be things that we leave out of the text that, that, that I left out from as I studied here. Follow up. Go through. Go through the sermon. Go through. Uh, study this passage this week. Take some time to read it a few times. Follow up with the preaching and the teaching of the word. And if you have questions, please feel free. To talk to us because there's nothing that a preacher likes more than talking about what he just preached. So uh, I, I appreciate the ministry that's going on here. I'm optimistic about what God has in store for us. Let's pray. Dear Father, I thank you.